Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Thanks for joining us today. We are excited to be back with some more conversations. I've been really enjoying actually the last several episodes. They've been a lot of fun. Yeah, just a couple of the different series that we've been in. We, we had the Reimagined Songs Project and also this communication series, which is, has been so much fun. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a minute. But uh, real quick, we just wanted to let you know, we're really excited. We've got some upcoming live events. There's going to be one hopefully this fall. Yeah. Uh, more information will be coming very soon. Keep an eye on our mailing list and, and website for all those details, but some great stuff coming up. Yeah, you know, we're really excited about it. But you know, it's been a while since we've done a live yeah, event. We've taken a break from those, but uh, they they were always very popular, and so we're bringing them back. And and uh, again, we'll announce that guest soon. But if you want to look at past live events, they're all cataloged on our, our website along with discussion guides. Yeah, so the discussion guides, um, if, if you've seen one of our live events, you know what those look like. Um, but basically, we've got someone who comes in and presents, uh, and then we ask some, there's some Q&A kind of after the fact. And we've taken all those presentations and turn, turned them into discussion guides. And they're really great for uh, maybe self-reflection, um, maybe if you've got a small group or fa- friends or family that you just want to dig into a topic with, uh, these are great for that. And you can find those all on our website. Absolutely. And as for today's episode, you know, we've been talking with, as we said before, these professional communicators over the last, I don't know, a few months, mm-hmm. because it seems like, you know what, we have a societal problem. We have no idea how to connect or communicate with each other. How can we most effectively share our thoughts, ideas, fears, hopes, and dreams? Yeah, it's a big challenge. I think we're all struggling with it right now. Mm-hmm. And so definitely something worth, worth digging into a little more. Yeah, no, and, and it could just be me, but it feels like as a broader community and a society, we could we, we could be doing this better, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, so we, we've got so much positive feedback about our conversation with, with Karen Ortloff in part one of our communication series. And now we're excited to share a conversation that we had with communication specialist Emily Carson. We welcomed Emily into the Sandbox Cooperative Global Headquarters <laughs> about a month ago. And so here she is in, in episode 69, The Communication Struggle is Real, part two. Hi. My name is Emily Carson. I am a Lutheran pastor, and I'm the director of communications for the Southeastern Minnesota Synod of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and I'm also a columnist for the Post Bulletin. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Grateful to be here, here at the headquarters. <laughs> um, yeah, so as we get, get started today, I think the first question we have is, in your profession, in your world, you can expand that certainly beyond uh, your your job and your role there. Um why do the words you choose and the way that you communicate matter? They matter because words are, are the best way that we know how to communicate information from one person to another person or one person to a group of people. It's just our best bet is words, whether we're speaking them or writing them. And so to be intentional about this thing that we do all day, every day, feels like part of our call as followers mm-hmm. of Jesus. This is how we share information. And it's interesting to me that communication is this thing that we all do every day, all day, but it's so rare to take the time to actually talk about how to do it well. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, kind of infiltrates all of the aspects of our life, and we don't step back enough all the time to realize that the way that we're doing it matters, right? Right, and that it's even happening, that Mm -hmm. communication is happening around us all the time. I think until I stepped into the position of the director of communication, I really thought of communications as this uh, basically newsletters or creating written materials I kind of had it off in a silo Mm -hmm. 
And so it's only in the last couple of years that I've really begun to see that we are all directors of communication. We are all shaping the tone and the ideas with which we communicate ideas all the time. And it feels to me sometimes like words are only the tip of the iceberg, though. Absolutely. You know, and, and so there's the nonverbals. There's the the stuff that happens all around the words that you can say one thing and, and kind of be... <laughs> and actually not mean it at all. Not mean it at <laughs> all, right? Or... Yeah, uh, how do you handle that kind of that kind of thing? Yeah, and the tone with which we're speaking. I mm-hmm. recently heard that the way information is interpreted, that it's our body language that accounts for half of how people will interpret what half. we say. Half. The tone wow. is about thirty percent, and the words are only twenty percent of how people <laughs> interpret what we're saying. That that's astounding. We're not right. taking mm-hmm. classes really on body language or tone, but. <laughs> But how people receive information has a lot to do with many more factors than just the words that we convey. Mm -hmm. So words are important, but the rest of it's important too. And this whole aspect that in the communication process between the people communicating, there's this reality of noise, which is everything in that gets – it's the way people filter information. It's Mm -hmm. all of their life experiences through which they're going to put those words before they make a decision about what the words mean and – it's, communication is so complicated and there's so many layers. Yeah. And uh, as I think about like the noise, it's um, what has, what, one of the big things that I think is a challenge is um, what have those words meant in other contexts, right? So if you're trying to communicate a new idea, you actually have to not just say the right words, but you have to realize how that person might interpret those words along with all the body language and everything else and figure out then are those actually the right words, even though they make sense to me, are they going to be received the right way? Right. And all we can do is our best. That's something I remind myself of every day is just that all I can do is give this my Mm -hmm. best shot and try to cultivate the kind of relationships that make space for messing it up because we all mess it up all the time. And the idea is to cultivate the kind of relationships where there's a back and forth. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think about like, you say you're a columnist for the Rochester Post Bulletin. So you get to write an article and you put it out there. Once it's out there, it's it probably takes on a life of its own on, on some level. But they don't get to see your nonverbals. They don't get to you, – you don't know their history with what word you choose or don't choose. How does that work for you? I mean, what is the feedback that you get on those articles? Because uh, it is cut, just cut apart from all kinds of other nonverbals. Great question. Sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. It it requires so much trust in the Holy Spirit to just mm-hmm. use it however the Spirit is going to use it. And try to be thoughtful in the preparations. And I have a mission statement for my column writing, and I try to look at it before I sit down to write. Like the goal of this column is to communicate in such a way that people feel inspired, curious, and valued. Mm-hmm. So then cool. I try to run the column through that filter mm-hmm. Inspired, curious, and valued. valued. Cool, cool, cool. And sometimes I'm going to hit the mark and sometimes I'm going to miss the mark. But it is different when it is one directional that way with a written column. And, I, you know, I periodically get emails or written letters from people with feedback. But a lot of times it's just out there. Yeah, yeah. Do you get trolls? There have been, actually in seven years of writing the column, one troll. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, there probably are more, but only one troll. <laughs> but, and that troll kind of feels like a gift, too, because that's part of life. 
And I know that when I, I have a sensation in my gut, when I'm kind of getting into the sphere of truth, like when I'm writing and I'm getting, you, know, you both know that feeling, I'm sure, mm-hmm. of you're tapping into something that's vulnerable and kind of a risk and you know that it might upset people or make people mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And I get this feeling in my gut and the feeling is I don't want to hit send or I don't want to post this. That's when I know I need to post it and I need okay. to send it. Yeah. And those are the columns that I are probably the most likely to, to have mm-hmm. negative feedback or a troll. But those are the ones I probably need to write and to share the most. Yeah, yeah. Does that translate to other uh, areas of communication when you feel that thing in your gut and you don't want it? It's not, you're not hitting send. It's just now i got to open up my full mouth and say it. You know, like, do you, <laughs> yeah. I have to say the thing that I don't know if I want to say. Uh, do you get that same feeling? Same feeling. Yeah. yeah. Same in preaching mm. or sometimes even in interpersonal conversations with friends or loved ones. Uh, I think that same feeling also happens at a synod level. We've had um, our bishop, Bishop Stephen Delzer, has taken some really bold thoughtful, meaningful risks over the past year around conversations related to race. And I think as a staff, we've probably collectively had that feeling. Like we know Mm -hmm. we're taking a risk here, but it's a really important Mm -hmm. step. And so, yeah, whether it's hitting send or having the conversation or taking the risk. Thinking about some of those maybe more challenging conversations or topics or uh, the time where you do feel like you kind of have to say it anyway and you're not sure... How are you going to get that feeling that it just needs to be said? Um, do you have any specific ways that you prepare to have those conversations or prepare to engage in those types of, of topics? Yeah, it, it really does begin and end and is surrounded by prayer for me. And I trust that I'm training myself to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to come through and be present in these kind of conversations. And for a lot of my faith journey, I talked about the Holy Spirit being around or maybe available, but I think it's not until recently that I'm actually trusting the Holy Mm. Spirit and relying on the Holy Spirit, because I think culturally the only way we're gonna have the courage to have actually meaningful, challenging, intense conversations is if we trust on a power greater than ourselves. Mm. So I ground things in a lot of Holy Spirit. And prayer. And then I think I also try to map things out ahead of time. Where do I want to go with this? Why am I doing this? Why am I writing about this? Why am I trying mm-hmm. to have this conversation and get clear for myself my why? Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of two of the things I try to do. So you talked a little bit earlier about um, about kind of the mission statement for the column writing. Yeah. And I'm wondering, uh, I imagine that the first time, maybe I'm wrong, but I imagine the first time that you wrote something for that, you maybe didn't have that in place. And that's something that maybe you learned over time. Yes. Um, so what, uh, tell us about that. And also what other skills have you learned that have, have helped you to communicate better over time? Great question. Yeah, the mission statement is not something that I started out with. I was a parish pastor at the time, and I had been at Stuart, in Stuartville for about two years when I originally started the column with the Post Bulletin. And the column is called Holy Everything, and the nature of the topics is very far-reaching, and it's uh, it's definitely quite open in terms of theology and types of topics that are explored. And sometimes I take a pretty clear stand on things. And so I had a parishioner in Stuartville who said, 
to me over coffee. What's your agenda with this column? Mm. It seems pretty wide open. (laughs) (laughs) But that, too, was a gift. And so I thought, you know, that's great. And there's no reason it can't be very open and free-flowing explore all kinds of ideas, but I, it reminded me that I needed to get pretty clear for myself about why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. So that was the catalyst of that mission statement. Cool. And the other question was, which one? Uh, what other skills have you learned? Other skills that I've learned in addition to creating a mission statement. Well, I have learned a lot about the nature of communication, how it works, the factors involved, the different means and channels that we can use to communicate. And I encourage anyone who spends any amount of their day communicating, which is all people, (laughs) to learn the basics of communication. And that can be as simple as looking up a YouTube video, Communication 101. But the more we can understand how the process works, we can get better at doing it ourselves, but also we can become more aware of when we're being communicated to or at mm. by the rest of the world. And I think we can get more of a critical lens uh, and we can filter more of the information that we're being inundated with every day. And we can start to think about it. Well, mm-hmm. this is communication. Somebody is trying to convey information or an idea to me. And then I feel like we can become more empowered receivers of communication when we understand mm-hmm. how it works. Communication is at the core of every relationship. And that became really super apparent to me when I got married. You know, like all of a sudden it was trial and error all the time. And and I think uh, in your roles that you have, whether it's writing this column or your your work uh, managing communication for what, 100 and how many, how many congregations? How 171. Many 171 congregations. You're writing a column. Uh, at its core, you're, you're you're curating a relationship of some sort. Uh, what has been your trial and error? Maybe what's your error? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you, you know, Chris asked what you've learned, but where have you kind of, if if I could be bold enough to ask, where have you driven it off the rails and, and you have to say, oops, and try again? Yes, I love talking about mistakes. So that's a great question. Failure is fascinating. (laughs) Failure is fascinating. And it's our friend. And I've learned that our brains learn more from failures than any other source of information. So Mm. I was putting together a presentation once on resilience, Mm. and I learned that fact about neuroscience, that our brains, after a mistake, the brain actually – well, after a mistake, you learn a lesson, you have to behave differently – our brains learn how to rewire in a way that they don't have to learn how to rewire if we make a mistake and cover it up or we make a mistake and keep doing the same Mm. thing. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? Mm. Like Mm. if we actually have to learn and change behavior, our brains adapt. So that's why I love failure. It's like the best (laughs) teacher. It's the best teacher. So when it comes to complaints, conflict, critique, negative feedback, What I've learned is to receive it as information. Just start there and get really in tune with my own sense of resistance and defensiveness. (laughs) So that defensive instinct is really normal and we all have it. And for most of us, that's going to be our first response mm-hmm. to feedback is going to be resistance and defensiveness, whether it's internal or external. 
so something I'm learning and training myself is how to, to get really in touch with that sensation of defensiveness so that right in the moment I can choose again. And the more of us that can learn that, I think the better. Mm-hmm. So we're, it's going to be really hard to completely rid ourselves of defensiveness because it's, it's part of that lizard brain that's trying to protect us. But I'm trying to train myself to quiet that defensiveness, receive the information. So an example, my first day on the job as the director of communications, <laughs> first day. And I was in the parish prior to this. So the, the learning curve was so steep. It was so steep, and I was so eager to please. So the first day, I get a phone call from a retired pastor in the synod, and he called to he called with a critical word to share <laughs> on my first day. I was like, nice. "How does anybody even know my phone number?" <laughs> <laughs> but actually, actually, he sent it as an email. That's right, he sent it as an email. And it was my first day, and I thought, well, I can either respond by email or I'm just going to look this guy's phone number up and call him. And it was the start of a very dear friendship with my friend Russ, who now proofreads all of our synod materials, and he has become a fierce advocate of synod communications. But I think a lot of it had to do with that initial interaction Hmm. and that willingness to have a conversation. And that's what I'm learning, too is to just have that posture of a willingness to hear people. And I'm sure you both experience this all the time. If we can just posture ourselves open and willing mm-hmm. to hear what someone mm-hmm. has to say. And I'm also learning to not necessarily respond to what they say immediately. When I first started in the parish, I was so eager to just whatever people would say or suggest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, we can make that happen. Sure, next week we'll just change everything to accommodate your idea. And that was more of my instinct mm-hmm. initially. And now I'm learning that we don't necessarily need to act upon every bit of feedback that mm-hmm. we get, but we can hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of times the feedback you're getting is not about the thing. There's the thing that they're presenting, and actually it has – it's two or three or four or ten layers deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, that's just this, the the indicator, not the actual thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's usually coming from a space of emotion a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So if you can dig through those layers. And a lot of times there's some nugget in what people are sharing that is going to be an, a thought or a feedback that's shared by other people too. A lot of times the the feedback that a person shares with me is something that other people are going to ponder too. Mm-hmm. So it's worth it's worth hearing, mm-hmm. but not getting overly attached to it. So in those situations where someone is sharing something, how do you how do you kind of distinguish the difference between this is something that someone just needs to get off their chest and just has to say and and maybe it gets set aside because it's not super important to the conversation right now? Um, how do you distinguish between that and uh, something that maybe is a, is a blind spot of, of you or anyone that you're working with, um, but it needs to be addressed? That's a great question, and I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> that is an ongoing journey of discerning how to prioritize feedback. Because we do get all kinds mm-hmm. of thoughts from people all day about the kind of work that we're doing or our priorities the more I open myself to the feedback, the thoughts, the words of other people, the ideas of other people, I think the better I'm getting at filtering 
And so maybe it's just something that we all have to keep working on. And the more we can have trusted advisors, friends, a team of people to to help us in that filtering process, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah. Because sometimes my own stuff gets wrapped up in the feedback, my own story, my mm-hmm. own layers. And when that's happening, I know that I need that outside presence, those people to help me discern. Mm-hmm. Like, Emily, this one wasn't about you. This is not about <laughs> you. You did not do anything wrong. This is just feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are communicating uh, as a person of faith in a culture that a lot of people are bringing a lot of wounds, uh, have been wounded by faith communities, wounded by the church, uh, wounded in the name of God. And here you are speaking that and communicating that. So inherently, uh, you're picking scabs, perhaps, in ways that you don't understand. Uh, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? I would say step one is recognizing that that's a reality, that mm. that's a real thing, that people have wounds inside the church, outside the wor- the church, that to be human is to carry woundedness. Yeah. And to be human is to carry the capacity to heal. So I think part of how I handle that is to acknowledge wounds, but not to dwell so deeply in the woundedness that I am afraid to preach hope and grace and healing and to pray a lot, to really trust that the Holy Spirit is a communication advocate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, so why would the Holy Spirit not be fully invested in helping us to communicate as effectively as we can the good news? Yeah. What do you know that we don't? Or what should we be thinking about that we aren't? Something we can all grow in is our awareness of how how surrounded we are by the process of communication all the time. And you don't have to be a communication expert. You don't have, any, have to have any particular degrees. You don't have to be able to write well or speak well or preach well. Communication is something we're all doing all the time, and we can all get better at it. We can all get better at it. And so whatever kind of communication foibles you've had in the past or where you've stuck your foot in your mouth or a lot of us just carry stories about whether we're good or bad at communicating. I hear that all the time. I hear people say, like, I'm not a good writer or I'm not a good speaker. or we. And those stories prevent us from sharing love in the world. So what I would say is, like, It's a good thing for all of us to examine the stories that we're carrying around about our capacity to communicate. Everyone can communicate well, and everyone can communicate with intention. It just takes awareness. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about something that I love. So there's this classic line in the movie, Cool Hand Luke, where one of the characters says... What we have here is a failure to communicate. Now, that could be a tagline for the entire era that we're living in right now. It seems like we have more ways to communicate and less and less ability to do so. As Emily talked, I heard her sharing that we are all in a process of learning and trying and succeeding and and at times failing to communicate. It doesn't matter if you're a professional communicator or not. It's all a work in progress. But the important thing, no matter who you are, is to stay with it, stay engaged, keep trying, keep trusting. Maybe maybe we can think about it like this. Maybe we can think about it like a practice. 
So in your life, where have you struggled to express yourself? Where have you dropped the ball, miscommunicated? How might you stay engaged, learn, try again? Is there another way to get at it? Is there another means of expressing yourself? Whatever it is, be kind to yourself. (laughs) Cut yourself some slack. Give yourself some grace. And then try again. Good communication is a trial and error kind of a venture. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all the things going on in the Sandbox, you can find us on the usual social media places like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can sign up for a mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes and join in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.